Welcome to Talk Design, the show where creatives have conversations. I'm Adrian Ramsey and I'm your host. Having lived a life of design myself, I wanted to share with you the creatives that inspire me and in turn may inspire you. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoy. Hi, I'm Adrian Ramsey, and I'm your host on Talk Design. I started this podcast because I wanted to share the journey of design that I've had and that many others have had, and I find it inspirational talking to people globally about what makes design tick and what makes design create a better world for others. My journey has taken me from clothing globally, women's swimwear, performance sportswear, mountaineering, yachting, all these kind of genres where each place I would learn more and more about different specifics and how clothing can support those. Also, I've worked in innovation as a systematic innovation trainer and worked with the aerospace industry as well as the marketing industry and the design industry. And all my years of design Still my favorite is the built structure and interiors. In years of travel and discovery, I constantly look at what the emotions are that are created by the built space. I consider myself a student of design for my whole life and will go on that way. Some of the things that I do to support this is my podcast, and then workshops and masterclasses where I teach people about trends and design thinking and tours where I take people on tour with me and we go and discover different points of architecture or interior design globally. I always think that when you're passionate about something, one of the things that you should do is is you should share it. And so creating the podcast was my way of sharing my enthusiasm and the enthusiasm of others and their passions around design with you. I hope you really enjoy it. And I ask you, would you please drop us a line? Tell us what you think. Tell us what got you excited. It's so inspiring when we get messages from our listeners that tell us about the things that shifted in their life because of who they listen to. And it gives me the inspiration to dig deeper and find more people that I can bring to your ears so that you live a better design life. My guest on Talk Design today is Aaron Prince. Now, Aaron is one of my favorite podcast hosts. He runs Designed by Architectural Record. This podcast is fabulous. He talks to architects all over. And he's got a really wonderful way of just dragging their stories out of them. And he's got a lot of history doing it. He's based in Austin, Texas, which is a place that's very close to my heart. And I've got a lot of friends in Austin. And I was introduced to Aaron personally, I'd say as such, by Larry Speck. And so really fabulous guy. One of those people that just inspires you. and An architect that can beyond inspire you, Larry, is... So, Aaron, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Adrian. That was a nice little intro there. Thank you, sir. <laughs> By the way, I, I feel like what are we? You're like 150, 53 episodes, 154 episodes, something like that. You're something you're a like long that. ways into this journey. I just want to say, 
for listeners out there that don't understand what a massive undertaking it is to produce 10 of these episodes, let alone 150, I think you should be very proud of yourself. And to add to that, I also feel like we are somewhat, I was looking through your, your guest list today and it's like, I think we run in a lot of the same, same circles, I'd say. I so think what, so. What is your connection to Austin? I feel like you're like more in Austin than I am and I live here. <laughs> It's a, I've got a funny story about how the Austin connection came about. But before I do it, go to that. Yeah, I've, I've, I've recorded like, yeah, I don't know, there's probably a dozen in the hopper still waiting to come out. It's one of those things that, as you say, like the commitment, it all starts out really easy. And then all of a sudden you go, I've got what? I've got this, I've got that. And even just booking, constantly booking guests is like a thing and guests yeah. shifting their time schedule around and you know like you go oh what mm. some people don't know like i've had guests that i've booked in november and we've recorded in june yeah <laughs> it's like yeah like oh we looked at his schedule how does june work for you and you're like i don't even know if i'm going to be alive then but sure that it's, sounds great and let's so- book them in book them in yeah. i've got Why one not? like that that i booked the other day um so we're we're in like october now and he is in february and or it's, it's like, like 45 emails later and you're still trying to figure out a time. And you're like, ah. I've got people like that that have never come on the show. <laughs> <laughs> Just got too hard, too hard to get them. Yeah, no, it is. It's, it's a, it is a commitment, eh? How many episodes have you done? We're coming up on 150. Yeah, uh, right. We're something around there, but it's slowed down a lot. I used to do once a week. That's a real, that's a grind. And yeah. now... We've kind of settled into a groove with Architectural Record where we do the first and third Monday of each month, so two a month. All oh, right, okay, yeah. It's um, I I go back and I often do this thing where I go. So when I discovered your podcast, I don't know how many people you had had at that point, but I just randomly pick. Now I'm dyslexic, so this maybe I'm going to use this as the excuse, and I've probably suffered with a little bit of ADHD, so. I used to pick up a book and I'd just go, start anywhere. Who cares? Start anywhere. And I'd read the book from wherever it is. And then I'd go back. I'd just pick it up again. I wouldn't go to necessarily the last place unless I'd folded a page. I'd just start again somewhere else. And so I'd get a book that would be all bits. And for some reason, that actually kept my brain interested. And then sometimes if it was a really good book, I'd actually start at the beginning and go to the end. And with listening to podcasts of other people i tend to just i don't go to the last podcast you you created i tend to go in and i just go to any podcast i'll flip through and there'll be a name that will just catch my eye and i get that's what i'm going to listen to that's and not just with yours but that that's kind of how i do it it's like but there's only a couple of podcasts that I keep listening to. You know what I mean? Like I never not finish one. I've got a real, I don't know, some kind of hang up that I like to hear it right to the end. But yeah, then. (laughs) Got to hear the credits. Got to hear the credits. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. No, it's my wife. My wife will be happy to hear that because she does my intro and outro and like 
it was a marital marital discussion when we were recording and i'm like you gotta bring your voice up please bring it up not down bring it up and so the fact that someone's listening i think is gonna make her feel really good about make it. her feel like that it's worth hearing i'm yeah. also because i generally have it on in the car or if not in the car it'll be on in my studio and i generally never never skip the ads it's almost impossible for me to skip the ads i listen to the ads because i, I have to stop what i'm doing to do that yeah i think it's also i i am the same way with when i listen to the podcast where I'll, I'll listen to the ad because i want to it was produced that way it's supposed to you know what i mean and then that's that's the kind of the, the way it is like yeah. it's just part of the part of the situation if that makes sense and the ads to be honest like allow us to create more content and allow the podcast to keep going. So they're a very integral part and you should. They're part of the system. They're yeah. Part of, yeah, they're part of the system. So tell me that he's, I want to go back in your little life history story. Oh, and uh, I'll tell you, first of all, why I love Austin. And then oh, I'm yeah. going to ask you why you love Austin. I came on here with the full intention of interviewing you. And here you are trying to spin it <laughs> back on me. It's I fine. It's it. fine. We'll let it's it gonna you happen you to you. Way. You can do it your way. Just relax, relax. I've got you. <laughs> I about probably about ten years ago, my best buddy from Australia. We're both Kiwis, actually. We're both New Zealanders, and we'd known each other in New Zealand. And then he moved to Melbourne, and I moved to England, and then I moved from England to Brisbane. He was living in Melbourne. Him and his fiance, or wife actually, and my myself and my fiance, we came back out from England and moved to Brisbane, as I'm saying. And like he came up, and then we all went on a bit of a road trip and came to the Sunshine Coast. And he ended up, we ended up buying a house together that we flipped. So the four of us lived in a house together that we flipped, and that was the intention of the house right from the start. Anyway, we at one point there, we said, hey, we're going to go and do a trip somewhere. And the girls were like, all right. And we took off to the States. And both of us had traveled there before and stuff. And we, we, we headed off to the States and we went for a couple of weeks or a week or something holiday. And then I reckon maybe nearly 10 years passed. And we didn't do it again. We had so much fun that we were just living off the fumes of it, you know. And we we did it again. And we before we, we made this plan. Well, I first of all, I made a plan that I was gonna do it. My wife said to me, Would you just get on a plane and get out of here? And I said to him, Did he want to come? No, I, maybe I didn't. Anyway, he didn't come with me. So I went and did this uh escape, just like disappeared. And went and uh, went to um, Zion National Park and all sorts of places, and just did this big sort of solo trip for a couple of weeks, and caught up with a couple of friends in the states, and came back. and He goes, "God, I can't believe I didn't go with you. I just can't believe I didn't do it." And I'm like, "Yeah, well." And he said, "Let's do it next year." Like, and I'm like, "Yep." So he had total FOMO. So the next year, I'm flying on a plane, I think, between Australia and New Zealand, and I see in an article in the in-flight magazine, there's an article on Austin, Texas. So I rip it out of the magazine so that the next person can't go there. I rip it out of the magazine, and I come back, and then I'm catching up with him a day or two later, and I went, let's, 
have a, have a read to this article. And I said, let's go there. Let's go. I said, it looks like it's got really good music. It's got barbecue. It's kind of cowboy enough. It could be a bit of fun. And I said, I've been there, but it would have been, you know, years and years and years before that I'd been there. So we got to Los Angeles and we were hanging out with some friends of his in Los Angeles. And one of the, and they say, where are you going next? And we said, Austin. And one of the girls said, I've got one of my best friends lives in Austin. And we're like, right. And I'm thinking to myself, ah, oh, don't get trapped. Don't get trapped in this. <laughs> keep it, keep it loose. <laughs> and anyway, so we make this commitment that we'll contact this guy. And in fact, she rings him right there in front of us. And he says, yeah, sure. When are they here? And just a couple of days. And he says, tell them to call me as soon as they get in. Just tell them to call me when they get in there. And I'm like, we're like, okay. So we got in. We stayed at that Holiday Inn just sort of on the side of the freeway there. by It might be called Town Lake, I think it is. A circular one? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, on Rainy Street. Yeah. 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 At the end of Rainy Street. And what a bonus. We had no idea. Well, Rainy Street hadn't really blown up by then, but it was yeah. still a, it was a close walk to 36th, you know, like. They don't you're in that phase of your life. You're in that yeah. phase of your life. <laughs> I still am. <laughs> so we, we got in there and we rang this guy and his name was Jeff Van Zandt. And really sadly, Jeff has passed since then but anyway we bring this guy jeff and he is the artist relations manager for fender guitars for the southern states and he says grab a cab and come out to sound check and we'll go out tonight you know da, da, da. and again where i'm going oh yeah here we go we did that and i don't remember most of the rest of the night other than meeting dale watson <laughs> And Jeff playing guitar, playing Dale's guitar on stage. And yeah, there was just, there were so many funny moments. And we we kind of started off at Baby A's with Purple Readers. And for anybody who knows Austin and Baby A's and the, the poison of a Purple Reader. Yeah. It's the equivalent of a hurricane from New Orleans. Yeah. 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 It, it's a crazy. That's quite the Austin story. Baptism. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, and why would you come back? history and everything all in yeah. all in one yeah yeah and it was just like and so then just went uh, as we were leaving austin i picked up a magazine which was austin home magazine and it said that it, it had the homes tour in it and that was in a weekend after it was on the weekend after we were leaving we we're leaving like on the tuesday or the wednesday and it was going to roll out on on the saturday and I just picked it up and went, I'm going to come back to this. I'm going to do this next year. And he went, yeah, let's do it, man. Let's do it. And we just kept doing it. And not he doesn't come with me every time, <laughs> but we just kept doing it and then made some great friends. Tim Brown from Tim Brown, or Austin Blair, Blair Austin Studio now, but he was Tim Brown Architecture. And he just became a firm friend. And we hang out all the time now, like we talk on the phone all the time and stuff like that. And just with that, it it just gave me anchor points that I would come back to. So that's my story of Austin. And awesome. in it, you know, Austin's a pretty unique little spot. It's a small town, so it's not a huge town. And it has 
some incredible architecture. And the other thing is, is the climate zone of Austin matches seven climate zones in Australia. So that also just meant that it was like, if you're going to go there and you're going to look at architecture and hang out around there, you've actually got the thing where it's not like you're in, say, I don't know, Jackson and Wyoming. We don't have that. Maybe parts of Australia have a climate close to it, but we don't have that climate. New Zealand has them more that climate. And so you're actually like looking at places and in a, yeah, in a very similar climate zone. Doesn't it would never snow where we are, but yeah, the temperatures get hot and it gets a little sticky. You we probably get a bit stickier than you, like it's a bit humid and stuff. But so that that put a purpose behind it as well because it meant that it was really easy to go there. And then again, mind you, there's not a lot of people who are from Austin and Austin anymore. That you were talking to people in the south and. As a rule, they're just easy, easier. And I think that Austin's vibe does that. It does. I think the vibe is also starting to change. I mean, I've mm. admittedly, I'm a transplant from California, which is not what people like to hear here. But I think it's it, even the time I've been here, you know, you could go anywhere in shorts. And Austin has somehow kind of grown up and become a little more fancy in a lot of ways. And I think if, if you look at the skyline, yeah. It's a very storm, very similar sort of situation, and it's that sort of thing where people are, well, this has been here for since my granddad's granddad's granddad yeah. has been here, and now those businesses are starting to move out, and Austin is starting to kind of, in a lot of ways, I think, grow up to where a lot of cities are, if that makes sense. Yeah, and I hope it doesn't lose the, you know, I mean, it, even in the time that I've been going there, you know, keep Austin weird is sort of been toned down a little as opposed to sort of brought up and I think every city's got to grow up and the gentrified neighborhoods and all those things happen but when they get homogenized that's when they're just places it's like malls doesn't matter which little mall stale. you walk into where yeah same stuff yeah. same stores same you know, back in the day when I first started traveling, you used to travel. So I was in the fashion industry. You used to travel to different places because there was different fashion. Now, there are so few smaller independent, like, fashion houses that, you know, this isn't quite true, but it is partly true. But the big ones are everywhere and they set the tone for everything you know if, if you're interested in louis vuitton just go to the airport there'll be a louis vuitton shop in any good airport yeah but i think that is also a, a byproduct in my opinion of like the internet culture that we live in and now stuff is so much more accessible like you might know not know that these sort of fashion designers exist unless you subscribe to a certain magazine that shows you what this fashion is or whatever it is and i think in architecture i think it's very similar to a certain extent that we have the availability of images is just ridiculous crazy and you can just endlessly scroll and endlessly scroll and i think in a lot of ways it may be better and it may be worse for the industry if that makes sense and this may be a slightly hot take but i think <laughs> give you know, it a go. Steady, 
<laughs> everyone's studying like I would imagine back in the day, there's sort of these iconic architects that you would con all these people that you would study and everyone's kind of sort of developing a voice based on similar styles. And then from there, it kind of pushes on. But I think there is something with the internet where there are a lot of ideas that I see because I'm on a lot of architects websites doing the podcast and I'm researching who I'm going to talk to and all that sort of stuff where certain aspects are just kind of plucked from projects and you can almost do it now in a way that's a little, you can do it without people knowing you're doing it because it's just a random image from Where? South Florida that who knows if anyone's going to see that image and connect it to what you did. So not to say it's bad ideas are flowing back and forth between mm-hmm. people. I think that's good and ultimately produces a better product, but I question a little bit of the process if you if that makes sense and i think you see this a lot in schools and i'm a younger architect so i make a lot of school references but we've all seen that project where it's their precedents were seven different images and then their projects are seven buildings that are smashed into one and it's so you know what i mean there's a sort of like from a to b that line has somehow smashed into like yeah 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 oh now it's going to smash into ai yeah (laughs) <laughs> whichever yeah and then we then we're just irrelevant right isn't that how it yeah. Goes? yeah i think so i think so yeah it's it's so interesting looking at what like you say like you see all these images what i notice in traveling around so much so i go the the greatest education is is to go and stand in other people's buildings and stand outside them see how they're sited understand well i always think the the greatest mystery is, is what was the brief? And then you know, why did it, what was the brief that the architect got or the you know, designer got on this building? Because there's crazy stuff when you go into places and you go, what, what, what how would that even, what doesn't even make any sense. But, you know, there's somebody with a checkbook that decided it makes damn good sense. And, <laughs> and so you've got to work your way through that and put it there. Um, but yeah, the the thing that I really notice is is that we get these, I want to say global styles that suddenly this thing could be in the English countryside or it could be in an urban setting in Austin and it could be in a mountain setting in California and it could be, I don't know, by the beach in Australia. And if you just took the same building and put it in each of those spaces, you could make it work. And it's like it's because maybe because of, I don't know, maybe because of modern technology and air conditioning and, you know, just all these things, you could make anything kind of work anywhere because you're just creating a set of boxes that are locked up and they work. You know what I mean? It's like the, the, I remember when I first went to Hawaii going into, walking into a hotel and it didn't have a foyer as such. It was just all open. You couldn't lock the doors. There was no door that closed behind you. The thing was just open. Reception was in an open space. And I remember being totally blown away by that, that there were actually buildings like that because it came from New Zealand and there were no buildings like that. That was like a bus station. And I was like, wow, this is so different. And that's because of the climate. It's the way it works there. And if you tried to do that in Chicago, you know, like just through the winter months alone, this shit wouldn't work. 
Yeah, I think there is also back to the sort of image thing. I think in, I think there might be a resurgence of a semi postmodern yeah, right. movement happening. Do you do you agree with that, or am I way mm. off base with this? No, I I I yeah, I think it cycles. But I think everyone wants something because essentially with the internet now, if people are taking photos in front of it, you have an endless free marketing campaign that can happen. And you look at architecture like the sphere. I don't know if you saw this thing. Yeah. You you two played it like on the list. Yeah. Well, they've got a residency there. They're going to keep playing. They've got a residency there. They're going to keep playing it. I've seen images from the outside and I'm like, okay, I get it. But when you see the images from the inside and the outside, it's. It is, it is phenomenal, mm-hmm. and some might call it kitschy. Some might call it because architects love to label something that's successful. <laughs> it's not architecture, <laughs> but it is like nothing I've ever seen before. I do have I do have issues with the interior distracting from the performance. And from those I, videos that came out a week or two ago, you two could have been playing, or you two could have not been playing, mm-hmm. and it probably would have garnered just as much internet attention. But my point is, I think. Having something like that that stands out is a free publicity yeah. for whatever business you're running. And yeah. that's more of the age. When I say like semi postmodern mm-hmm. things, is because stuff that doesn't look like you see every day. Yes. Is what I'm trying to, yes. trying to get at. Is yeah, it's got a and- it's got a uniqueness. Yeah. And and the building is the advertising. Mm-hmm. That exactly. that that's the thing, you know, that the yeah, the whole thing is as integral to what the story is going to be told. That sphere thing, I watched a interview with Bono and the Edge talking about it and talking about their show, and they didn't give a whole lot away. But they've it's it's not just a concert. It's yeah. it is just a concert, but it's a show. It's a show, and then it's like really crazily put together to make a whole immersive experience of what the sphere can do. And And the exterior itself, the interior shots were all very serious and you're floating in the clouds and then you're inside a computer and the numbers are falling all around you or whatever. But from the outside, there's a, a moment of whimsy, I think with whether it's a big yellow ball with a smiley face that's bouncing around and, it's fun and it's playful and it's not trying to be serious, which I think architecture too much of the time is this sort of, and it's in the attitude of the architect, architect above all, this is the most serious profession that's ever happened in the world. And that's reflective in the building. And I think if <laughs> architects had this sort of more open personality to the world and just had fun, that <laughs> we would have more architecture that sort of brings this together. You're so right. You're so right. There's so much thing around keeping it serious. You about and... brutalism. Yeah. To make it concrete. Windows, concrete windows. <laughs> exactly. Makes Put no another sense. one over there. Yeah. <laughs> How do we take this dollar? More concrete. But tell <laughs> me this then. Tell me this one then. There, there is so much brutalism that is being put into structures again now like there's this there's a massive thing about how much off-form concrete people can use but then there's this this whole brutalist nature to it you know there's a building 
in this little town. So I live in the Sunshine Coast of Australia, which is about an hour north of Brisbane, hour and a half. And uh, it's coastal. I don't know. I don't even know how many people are here. A couple of hundred thousand. And we've got an old fire station that is kind of like it would have been built, I reckon, probably as late as maybe the late 70s or early 80s. I've never gone and checked it out. I drive past it regularly. And it is brutalist. Like that, the style is total brutalism. It's quite good for a fire station. And I'm looking at that. The, the fire department's moved out of there years ago and moved somewhere else. And anyway, it's it's actually quite a prime spot. It's actually a big footprint. It's probably too much concrete to want to take to the tip and knock it down. It's got not a lot of like architectural merit as a building other than it's solid. And my wife and I were driving along and she goes, you know, you, you wonder why they wouldn't just do something with that. And um, I said, oh, it'd be easy to fix. And she's like, what do you mean it'd be easy to fix? And I said, oh, I'll show you something in a minute, you know, when we stop. And so she goes, okay, well, how would you fix it? And I said, just with some plants. And so just plant it, just plant the whole the, building. The combination of the nature and the concrete creates a contrast that yeah. you see that a lot in like South American architecture, I'd say. Like oh, Brazilian, Brazilian and stuff. Yeah. Brazilian, yes. yes. Mm. Yeah, exactly. And I said to her, so I pulled up a picture of it you know, because it's on the internet somewhere. And I, I I pulled up a picture of it and I said, just imagine I just drip all plants off there and I do some taller plants over here and I put a bit up here. And she's like, why don't they do that? I said, because they haven't employed me. <laughs> and I don't Sounds know like shit a commission. about <laughs> I don't know shit about plants. I'd be employing somebody else. <laughs> I'd be going, yeah, yeah, put some green stuff. I just you know, draw, I wonder about- draw that in. <laughs> I wonder about this, and this is might be just be silly, and it can be edited out or whatever. But there's a. Are you familiar with Walmart? Yeah, you have a Walmart yeah. in Australia. No, but big, uh, but big, no. big box real ta- retailer. Yeah. But we know now, them well. But yeah, I don't know what an original Walmart was forty thousand square feet or something. It was a you know they're big, big yeah. sort of shops. But now they've upgraded to Super Walmart's as they're now their standard store size, which has a grocery store plus the additional Walmart inside of it. So they're actually building new Walmart. So my hometown, I grew up a small town, small town. So Walmart was like where we shopped, but they built the Super Walmart right behind the old Walmart. You drive over this hill and you'd have the Super Walmart kind of eclipsing the old Walmart. But I wonder about all these buildings because they're going through and redoing this in every small town in America. What happens to these massive buildings? Yeah. that are you know cinder block and all that do you knock them down what's going to go there or i just feel like i wish there was some sort of adaptive reuse a way they of all becoming of... pickleball courts <laughs> you wish yeah <laughs> <laughs> for those of you who don't know adrian's like we got to get this going i got a yeah, yeah, gotta, meeting <laughs> yeah i got a game i got a game <laughs> Something but else. I just wonder what happens to all these sort of old relics of like how people yeah. used to shop and how people used to live and what's going to happen eventually when no one shops at a 50,000, 60,000 square foot sh- shop anymore. We see that with shopping malls nowadays, yeah. right? Like no one yeah. goes to the mall. What yeah. happens to that? Do they get demolished or I don't know? I don't know. I, I did see an article. I was quite serious with the pickable thing. I did see an article where they were saying that unused malls or low uh, let's call them second-rate malls. 
you know, they've been eclipsed by a newest developer down the road and they've done an open mall as opposed to one that's just all under one roof and stuff. And they've got these older ones and they are converting areas of them into pickleball places. And then you can imagine what happens is as a sports store goes back in as a tenancy and then there's a, there's a couple of cafes or something like that because not everybody wants to play or some of them want to sit and talk before or after. And then they're not weather dependent. So like, you know, it's not like being in Austin when suddenly it's a hundred and something degrees, you can go and play pickleball in the, you know, in the mall. So I've heard that a thing and saw a little article on it on, I think it was on YouTube. And I'm like, Hmm, that's interesting. Pickleball saves the day. Yeah. (laughs) It's the new Messiah. (laughs) So anyway, take me right back to what is it? You you went from California to Austin, you studied architecture, and then you decided to have a podcast. You're like, what? You you were fairly early in the podcast movement. Um, I I was and I wasn't. I mean, there are people, I think, 99% Invisible and Debbie Millman, Design Matters. Yeah. They were going, what, 2009, I think Debbie mm-hmm. started hers or something. Very, I was isn't, she, isn't she ground zero, Debbie? She's Design Matters, I think. Yeah, but no, no, she's ground zero oh. of podcasters. She's oh. the, isn't she one of the... the she was the first the architectural first. or design-related podcast that ever oh, be. First design-related. I listened to Debbie as well. I think she's absolutely fascinating. Yeah, she's, she's one of my podcasts. Yeah. She is good. And so I started in 2018... We've, you know, circuitously made our way, my wife and I, to Austin. And I had Larry Speck, who you spoke about mm-hmm. previously, and I have to say is one of my favorite people. And probably the amount of people I have met and I've interviewed or just talked to that their career path starts with da 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 da. And then I met Larry Speck, and boom, he is like very selfless in helping people out. And he's not intimidated and not that. You know, if they get this, I'm not going to get that very sure of himself and sees the good in people. And I really just have to, I owe so much to Larry Speck. And so I just want to give him a little plug if I can. But oh yeah, I, I took his theory class at the University of Texas at Austin and probably the best class I've taken in the seven years of school. But the last three classes, three or four, we would go to, because Larry knows everybody. We would go everybody, to, you know, yeah. He knows everybody. <laughs> If you're in Austin, you don't know someone, you say, Hey, you know, Larry Speck, and you can just start a conversation. But <laughs> I, uh, you say, Hey, you, you know, take- your buddy Larry Speck. I bumped into him the other day, and everybody goes, Yeah, yeah, yeah I know Larry. Yeah. <laughs> he, uh, the last three classes, we'd go to buildings, and the designer would walk us through whether well, it's a house, office space, whatever it may be. And, and uh, they would kind of walk us through, and then afterwards, we'd go sit and they'd tell us about, Well, I did this, and I did that and how they kind of built their career up and i found it really interesting because everyone coming out of school we all have no idea what we're doing how to do it (laughs) what we need to do to kind of elevate our career you know you got into a good school but how do you take that to like actually making money in a firm yeah actually doing doing the job (laughs) yeah exactly and so i thought like if i could document these sort of career journeys that that would be like very valuable to me one, I'd get to know everybody in town, did that. Mm-hmm. You would learn how they did that, did that. And then 
from there, it just kind of kept spiraling and spiraling. And I would, again, I, because I was an early adopter and I was probably the only one that was sending emails to info at zahadid.com or, you know what I mean? To get these sort of guests, like they're not getting a lot of podcast requests, probably because people are too intimidated. So I just, it just kept going forward and forward and forward. And here we are now, five years later, and it's been a pretty good ride so far. I joined Architectural Record in 2020. I was going to ask that journey. Like, so yeah, you had this podcast that was trucking along called Designed. And then how did Architectural Record end up in the in the picture with you? My wife and I were having our first son. Mm-hmm. And there's a certain point when your wife will entertain things <laughs> for free. <laughs> And then there's but, a certain point when they and then there's a certain point when she's not going to entertain it anymore. So this is a real story. That, but the, the, the thing was, I had I knew I had started something and that's kind of a tongue in cheek comment, to be honest. But yeah. I had started something that I knew had legs about it. You know what I mean? I would tell people before I started, like, I think I'm gonna start this idea. And people would be like, I wouldn't listen to that. And you kind of have to, like, get past that and just put it out there and to be honest like first episodes it's not great but it evolves like everything and you know you to talk on a microphone is a very intimidating thing especially when you have to listen back to yourself so oh learning back on that get get comfortable with yourself get comfortable with your voice Mm -hmm. and i had at that time when i joined architectural record to get to your question i had already interviewed not to name drop, but like Glenn Merkitt, Tom Main, Patrick Schumacher, Tom Kundig. I had run through like the Starkitect Rolodex yeah. on. And so I think there was a certain alignment with what I was doing and what Architectural Record does. And there was another magazine in London that was considering it. But what it came down to was if you think about Architectural Record and you've been an architect for a number of years, so you know that there is a history with that magazine in, in the profession that it's the oldest architecture magazine, 130 something years old. And to be part of that is just in itself, something that I yeah. find it's like an a, a big, it's an honor for me. And I think we were just in such alignment that with what I was doing and what they do, that the combination just made sense. And to be honest, they've been the best, the best partner I could have asked for. I've had other partnerships in the past before record. And yeah, right. there's always something where the expectations on either side is not being met. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And it's not mm-hmm. an equal, it's not an equal sort of give and take. And they have been so wonderful to say, we love what you're doing. That's why we want to partner with you and just keep doing what you're doing. And we're three years this month. Yeah, into the relationship, and I don't. I don't think it could have went any better. Plus, just a little plug. You know, for less than a cup of coffee. <laughs> Do you know? For this less will than a not cup be edited coffee, out. <laughs> for less than a cup of coffee per month, you can get the best architecture magazine delivered right to your door at architecturerecord.com. Did you know that? Did you? I didn't. That uh, okay? Will that be internationally go. shipped? <laughs> I'm sure we can make it work. Yeah, we can make that work. I think, you know, like you say, with Architectural Record as a magazine, it is fabulous magazine. It is like one of those things. And it's almost like you can't claim to be in the design industry unless you've got one sitting on your table, you know, like there's got to be one lying around somewhere. 
and then if you are you know, reading it it's it's full of awesome content it's like well, there are other, you know, other blogs and sites and everything mm-hmm. that have popped up, but I think it's, and they're all wonderful. On they're the all copies board. of Architectural Record. They're all <laughs> off they, the same seed. Yeah. There is a, there's a lot of flashy images I see on a lot of these things, but I feel like Record has really kind of stuck to true architectural, criti- not criticism, but architectural reviews. And they're really, they're not interested necessarily, I feel like in the click, 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 click. No more of they're actually interested in presenting the story and the building and everything like that. And I think that is a waning art form. I think in our, you know, nanosecond attention span world, you're absolutely, it's a waning art form. And it probably also kind of points back to why architects and and designers and you know like even you think of photographers and stuff are so serious about their craft and then this kind of perpetuates it It, it's not not making it unplayful just it perpetuates the what it takes to do this really well and you know it most people unless they're actually in this industry or have a very strong affinity with it they've got no idea about the amount of thought that actually has to happen to make something just go together just just put it together it's like getting a picture of uh you know one of those fantastic lego things and then a bunch of blocks but no instructions it's to actually get it from the idea in your head to it's built and people are wandering around inside it and that that's with a house do it with a big building or something it's Mm. like mind-blowing yeah and then the or a podcast the, is i feel like the same <laughs> <Exactly>. thing <laughs> yeah no kidding yeah your your rolodex is pretty impressive of the the people oh, you've had you. on the show like, and i don't mean I to throw say, names or anything but yeah. no no it is more than impressive and your connections to all those people is yeah incredible incredible and you well i think a, you're there's something I just want to say to someone understate that that comment is that, you know, it is an architecture podcast and we do podcasting of yeah. the architecture type, but it's a relationship building business is what yeah. we're in. Like you and I started talking about this three, three years ago yeah. or something. We yeah. started making first yeah. contact and here we are yeah. now. And with booking talent, it's the same sort of thing. Yeah. You'd be surprised how many of these firms have the same public relations company and so Actually, you can that's kind of... really interesting isn't it that's a really interesting point like there's a few yeah, specialists not... that seem to cross over a whole lot of architects yeah yeah and they all seem to be on the same level of design firms mm-hmm. but what that is is you have to build a relationship with that person and you know if your first interview is not bad if bad you're probably not going to get the second one so it's all about this sort of maintaining a relationship and to be honest, like some of the the people that have made my podcast get to where it is now are still some of the strongest sort of connections I have in the industry. And so That's nice. just for people out there, I know architecture can be a really creative field and a creative sort of competitive industry yep. with a lot of egos and everything. But I think the more relationships and just being cool with people goes a lot further than I think the young architect really realizes. Yeah, 
It's interesting. I think you're right. It, it, it very much, yeah, getting, getting people getting out of their own way to, to connect at both levels. And I'll use Larry Speck, like, as that great example. You, he, you, you said to me before we started, you know, Larry's one of those guys that just makes you feel like, even if you've just said the stupidest thing in the world, that he didn't notice that and you were still a valid human being. Like, And it's not in a pretentious way. It's no. in a very genuine yeah. way. Like yeah. he has a, a way about him that just makes people feel welcome. You know, he's headed to Australia next week and South by, so South by Southwest, its first big outside of Austin thing is happening in Sydney and Larry's oh, going to speak. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. They've brought him down here to speak. Yeah. So I think he's speaking on the 18th or the 19th in Sydney and with his wife as well. And yeah, that was kind of the premise of how I ended up talking to him was Ingrid from the AIA Austin. She said, you've got to meet this amazing friend of mine. He's coming to Australia to speak and at South by and in Sydney so and I was like oh wow okay and so I think I got I think it was like three days later I was talking to him (laughs) that was it and and I just will move like things around part of the part of the lucky thing I have is is people say to me why do you record so many Americans when you're in Australia and I go well I can record like we started this at 5 a.m this morning and I can record at 5 a.m. And I can be all done and dusted, cleaned up, showered, everything by 7 a.m. And my day can start and I can get on with my work. If I say to an Australian, oh, would you like to record at 6 a.m.? They're like, what? Like, 6 p.m.? I'll be busy. I'll be doing dinner. No, no, 6 a.m. Oh, my God. No, 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 also- no, definitely not. <laughs> to piggyback i think where we started this conversation about like what it takes to do this 150 episodes i had patrick schumacher very big episode of mine Uh probably probably the biggest at that time and they you don't get with some of these architects you don't get this oh this works for me does that work for you you get like this is when they're available and it was three three o'clock in the morning so i had went to went to starbucks I bought two big coffees, put them in the refrigerator, went to sleep, woke up at two, grabbed the coffees, drank them really <laughs> fast. It was like, here we go. <laughs> but that's what makes the difference. There's like a, you just have to keep chugging, chugging yep. along and chugging yep. along. And if consistency is key and understanding other people's schedules and again, forming that relationship makes the yep. difference in the end. It does. It's so, 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 so true. I get people who say to me, oh, we can record at two in the afternoon. I'm like, two in the afternoon, being in Australia. I'm like, two in the afternoon won't work for me, man. We've got to do this earlier or later. And so there tends to be, I don't chase them for that reason. I don't chase them for that reason. I go, I don't want to stop my day. Sounds a bit pretentious. I don't. It's so hard to stop my day in the middle of the day and turn my head off 
to do a podcast with somebody and then pick my head back up and go back into the studio to do what needs to be done, you know, in the, in the work sense. Another thing that I discovered was to most people, their uh, energy runs like you have a lull in the afternoon. And if, if you're a night owl, your lull's just later in the afternoon. So most people's lull is somewhere around two o'clock in the afternoon. That's their, their kind of coming off their low side. But if you look at the analytics on it, we are in, in our mornings part, we wake up and our natural from 99% of people thing is to be more in an analytical brain in the morning. So there's the, the analytical brain runs really well. And if you're, hacking your you know your your way into life with how to best get get the best out of yourself analytics is usually the morning piece and if you're a night owl that just means it's later in the morning and then you will go into a lull in the afternoon now the lull is that tired kind of piece however at that point is actually really good for creative it's a creative thing so i get to talk to people when I've got more of my analytical brain on and they are usually in their creative brain and they've gone through the analytics of the day. They've chopped those pieces up. They've done that piece. They've got that through that piece. And then they're going into a more gentle part of their day. So you ever look at, look at someone and be like, I know why they're where they are and I'm where I'm at. I feel like that whole explanation. I'm like more coffee. <laughs> they'll, they'll I can, more coffee. I can drive through this. <laughs> There's a lovely little hack as well with that, that if you've got a team and most people are going to lull about the same time, it's generally the thing. With that is send them out for a walk. They've got to do some physical exercise around 10 minutes, got to be more than 10 minutes, actually. Don't, don't shortcut it. 10 minutes plus a walk. If they can do it in nature, like I think of Austin and, you know, walking along beside the, by Ladybird Lake or something like that, you know, one of those green belt pieces is beautiful. 10 minutes in that will rehack it back to your in that vibrant kind of like critical analytical kind of piece. So if you've got a meeting that you've gone for in the afternoon, let's just say it's gonna meeting's gonna be about two. And you're going to have a whole lot of creative sitting around together. You'll get shit if you don't. They'll, they'll just wander. They'll wander anyway, but they'll just wander. But you get them in the morning or you get them after a hack like that, and they'll actually start to chop it into pieces. They'll work a whole lot more succinctly. Um, it won't just end up in a creative like soup. And everybody walks out the room going, that was amazing. What did we do? <laughs> <laughs> Who made a decision? <laughs> Nothing's going to get done here. Uh, so you've moved from California to Austin. And when you moved to Austin, you studied in Austin. And then why did you stay? Stay in Austin? Mm -hmm. We actually moved from Portland. So Oh, okay. I grew up in a small town and then moved to San Francisco. 
uh-huh. and moved to Portland to do under like my undergrad studies. I didn't I didn't start school until I was like 27. I was a very late bloomer in that regard. I had dropped out of schools before that, but I didn't start and finish school until I was 27. So you dropped and out so, of schools. Hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> Skip past that bit. So yeah. what did what the, yeah the the dropping out of schools bit? So what what was the journey there like? Because how did you end up you know studying architecture? What was the what got you? I, I originally went to the University of Oregon to mm-hmm. study German. German? I already spoke German. Yeah, uh-huh. I had studied abroad in Germany for a year in high school, and I was pretty proficient. In where the did language, you so. Where did you study abroad? Which what part of Germany? Augsburg. It's like forty five minutes from Munich. Okay, so cool. Like, yeah, yeah, Bavaria. But then I went back and went to the University of Oregon, studied German, dropped out. I did. I worked at a grocery store. I worked at a bank. I did stand up for five years. That was kind of my main. I want to get to that. But that yep. was, that's what we what I wanted to do. <laughs> but uh, when it came down, then that was all over with. I was 25, maybe. Yeah. And I hadn't had a a job in a, a few years. <laughs> so because I was just doing, you know, the promotion stuff with the comedy. And mm-hmm. my dad was designing little spec houses in my hometown. $5,000 a pop. You know what I mean? The sort of ranch style, nothing yep. special, what you see Midwest. Any, any so was he town. an architect, your dad? He was not. He worked he was... at the paper mill yeah. in my hometown. So he worked at the paper mill. And then when I was like three or four, him and my mom went back to school to become teachers. And he paid his way through school by designing houses in my in my hometown. So it was like AutoCAD wow. on the Apple IIe and the digitizing tablet. You know what I mean? Wow. It was like yeah. a thing. And when I was like 10, 11, 12 years old, sometime in that range, he was doing houses and he started doing houses again. And he, I would do the dimension plan and I would do the electrical plan. And so he'd pay me $125. Damn. He'd be like, if, he'd be like, if you're making a hot to an 11 year old, do you know what that is? Like, <laughs> That's like money, man. Yeah. He'd pay me 125 a sheet. So I'd do two and I'd get 250 bucks. And that was what I had learned. So when it came time to, to quit stand up and get out of that, I just didn't really want to get a job. Your dad so wouldn't pay work. you two fifty anymore for a couple nah, of sheets. Nah, so nah, you nah. had to do something more serious. Exactly. <laughs> and I knew how much the world costs. Two fifty isn't going to pay. So I would. I was just like, well, I'll study architecture. So I went to the junior college, uh-huh. did well there, and then transferred to Portland State when I was twenty six, twenty seven, somewhere in there and then to university of texas but we came to texas because to answer your question is a very roundabout sort of way of getting it i was getting getting married when i graduated and you know this degree you have to have a master's degree in order to get your license so my wife was very successful in her own right with her her work and her business so it's not you know this wasn't fair to just drag her to the middle of nowhere to nebraska wherever it may be to you know do whatever so we sat down and looked at the list of accredited schools. I grabbed a yellow highlighter. She grabbed an orange one and I highlighted schools and she highlighted cities. And then we had the Venn diagram of where oh, wow. okay. I could apply. And she loved Austin and it came down to university of Texas or university of Michigan. Mm-hmm. And looking back on it now, she has much more opportunity here in Austin. And so she landed a good job in Austin right. <laughs> in Austin that, the architecture world is booming so much that it seems like there's kind of an endless supply right now of, yeah. possibilities whether it's yeah. high-rise residential high-end residential whatever you want i feel like austin sort of has that presence and it's mm. a, as we talked about before it's a, it's a cool city so 
That's it's a very cool city. Yeah. There's, there's a also lot. you reach a point, you reach a point in your 30s too, where you're just like, whether it's you like the city or you're just tired of moving, where you just like say this is where we're staying. I'm not just I'm you not just settle you settle down. Yeah. yeah, I'm not packing another U-Haul and driving five thousand miles or something like <laughs> to somewhere over else. with whether we want to be here or not this is where we're at so, this is so, it but honey we're well, home we we like austin it's great it is no, it's an awesome city jump back to being a comic because this takes this takes effort again like you think of the, the tenacity to keep your podcast being a comic you got to write the stuff. You got to practice the stuff. It can't look written or practiced. And then you got somebody who throws you out from the audience who's a heckler. You, you know, or you pick the wrong person in the audience and they take you down a road that you're all in free space. Tell me about being a comic. I think to me, and I've said this on other podcasts that it's all I wanted to do since I was eight years old. That's like, was the goal. Right. This was it. So the fact that I got to do it for, you know, the five or four or five years that I did is, is in my opinion, I'm very thankful for that now, but I think you're absolutely right. You know, you start with three minutes and you build it to five minutes and then you build it to 10 minutes. And I think one of my, you know, you're going to these open mics and there's eight people or you're performing in a bar Mm -hmm. that people showed up not knowing there was a comedy show there and they're like, Oh, I'm going to ruin this guy's night. And so it's like, there's this sort of environments you're kind of thrown into that really, you just kind of cut your teeth on. And there's no, there's no cheat code or there's no way around it. Other, There's no safety net. You have to go through it. You have to stand up there. You have to eat shit. Like you 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 live and die. You live and die. There's nights I got off stage at the time I was still living. I'd have to drive two hours to a comedy club. That was the closest yep. comic of two hours. And I was doing that like a couple of times a week. And I remember getting up, getting off stage. It was like my third time. I ate it so hard. And the MC got up and was like, well, it's going to be a long drive home for that. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, man. But it's like, that's the process. You know what I mean? Any comic that you see is on TV right now went through that exact same thing 20 years ago. And yep. that's just how it goes. And I was, what I was doing that, I was able to make money at it is because it's a very slow process. And I think there's a lot of things in architecture and comedy you can compare, whether that's yeah. people undercutting costs. Oh, this comic's going to charge a hundred dollars and he's actually good. Well, I kind of suck, but I'll do it for 50. And the client says, sure, that sounds great. And so it's, there's this yeah. sort of undercut race to the bottom thing that happens. And marketing is essential. How you market your brand, how you mm. present yourself can make up for those shortcomings and talent, I think. And I don't mean that in like a no, no. untalented people succeed, but it's a combined package if you're going to make this work. So what I was doing was I was, I saw a lot of friends hosting open mics in Chinese restaurants and bars and all these sort of things. And they're putting so much time and effort into it and they're not making any money because they're just open mics. Yeah. So I went back to my small town, three hours North of San Francisco and you can rent a theater there for a thousand dollars. So I went to three businesses and yeah. they each gave me $300 to sponsor it. And I put their name <laughs> on the marquee. I printed flyers that had all their names on it. And then I paid the headliner. Was it $3 a ticket? I paid the feature act $2 a ticket and I hosted it. Didn't cost me anything. And then I gave a dollar per ticket back to the businesses. 
So wow. I'm, what am I, $8 into this yeah. thing? Yep. And you sell tickets. My out-of-pocket cost is $100. You sell tickets for $15, i am making $7 a ticket. So my break-even cost is super low. It's like 20, 20 tickets, 15 tickets, and I'm already yep. profitable. Yeah. And so that was the sort of business model that I was running for a number of years, two or three shows a month. And so that's how right. I was living in my early 20s, which <laughs> was kind of a, and it like expanded in the deals got bigger and stuff changed and it got more complicated. And a lot of times that's when stuff falls apart. Uh-huh. But I think there was a point in time when I look back and I was, I'm talking like 26, 27, a couple of years out of it, where it just felt like, you know, you want to do something so long since you're like a little, little kid. Yeah. And you look back and there's somehow you feel like everyone has this expectation that you were going to do that. And then you don't do that. And you just feel like this biggest sort of failure, you know what I mean? And everyone's looking at you going, Oh, he thought he could do that. Yeah. 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 Like, especially these days with the internet, you know, you could get lost or everybody knows that you didn't keep going, you know, especially in a small town Mm -hmm. and no one's doing anything, but they want to point to the people that aren't doing stuff. And it just was a really like mentally, like, I didn't want to watch any stand up. I didn't want to go to a club. I didn't like, you know what I mean? I wanted to yeah. kind of wash my hands of that situation, yeah. but to kind of backtrack maybe to your question, I look now at what I've done with the podcast and what I've done. Cause it, admittedly I'm not the best designer and that's perfectly fine with me. You know what I mean? I want to spend time with my kid and I want, want to yeah. do all that sort of stuff, but I was able to take, because through these booking of these theater shows, I was writing emails to agents. I was booking talent and that's the skill that has made my podcast so successful. And even to say, like, have the gall to say, I'm going to write to architectural record and say, you need to be part of it. Like, that's insane. It <laughs> is. So, but then you also the, to go around three businesses in a town and say, I need a hundred, 300 bucks each. And I'll uh, put your name on the headline thing. Most people would never take the step. They'd never be yeah. brave enough. They'd be too scared of being rejected or somebody saying, really? <laughs> 300 bucks but it's, it's not worth my money thinking the business model can i tell you what happened yeah. with that first show it's a it's a, a, one of my favorite stories tom hanks have you heard of him mm-hmm. yeah He's an actor yeah, uh, yeah i've seen him on shows sometimes yeah yeah, yeah 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 his mom lived in my hometown and this theater was built oh, really? in the 30s just dilapidated theater it was bought in the 90s converted into like three movie theaters and they tore down the walls and you could see where they broke the plaster where they put up the walls and they divided it and just this you know, it's just a, a, a terrible job. Yeah. Yeah. And so he was dumping a lot of money into fixing it up. They had been bought by a nonprofit. They're trying to revitalize it. And he had just bought the. He, I think he went through there in Forrest Gump. Possibly, yeah. <laughs> he, he probably did, actually. He probably uh, did. Yeah. So he was he pouring bought, some money into that. And he bought the doors. And the day of my first show, one of my friends from high school was walking down the street and ran into Tom Hanks outside the theater and said, Hey Tom, what are you doing? And he's like, Oh, I, I'm just buying my ticket for this comedy show tonight. Power of the internet gets on Twitter. I saw Tom Hanks. He's buying a ticket to this comedy show. And we, he didn't show up, but we sold like 500 seats. And so those businesses that all gave me $300, cause I'm giving him one ticket back. They each yeah. made $200 off of the show so when you go back to him the next show and you say can i have another 300 dollars?" absolutely here yeah, you go no problem we're 200 ahead yeah the rethinking of the business model and i think with whether it's how you market yourself in architecture by starting a podcast or whatever it is you don't have to do it the exact way it's always been done 
That's so interesting. That's so interesting. I love that. And yeah, having the business model in mind, I think it's such a valuable conversation. It's not in school. It's ridiculous. It's, but yeah. I think, you know, in school, so much pressure is put on studio uh-huh. and theory. But if you ask a lot of architects, students so many of them want to start their own firm but there's no emphasis put on business Mm -hmm. and so and there is when you go to take your exams and they you know they say this is how you run an architecture firm and so you end up running it the exact same way that every every firm has ever been Mm -hmm. run but i see this with the people i book the larger the guests the easier the booking generally tends to be Mm -hmm. because they're open to new ideas and you can Mm -hmm. actually throw out hey what if we think we we did this Awesome. Mm-hmm. Sounds great. Let's do that. They're open to these sort of ideas. And so when I talk to some of these people, it's not a surprise to me that they made it to where they are. You know what I mean? I think those two yeah. things, it goes back to the comedy thing. You can make up for talent or whatever through building your your Rolodex of connections, being mm-hmm. cool with people and just marketing yourself in a unique way. I, I, to- I totally, totally agree with that. And it's actually it's it's thinking beyond just the function of what you're doing. I was just in Texas. I come every year to the Texas Society of Architects Design Conference. Oh, um, did you see me there last year? <laughs> no, I didn't. I gave, I gave what could have been the worst speech ever. When, when was that? When did you give uh, a speech? Larry, Larry and I actually both won the promotion of architecture through media award, him and I, which was for me to like be up there with Larry was. So which conference did, was that? Was that wasn't in the Hill El, Country one? El Paso. Oh, El Paso. Yeah, no, I didn't come to yeah. that one. I came to the one that they run uh, that was in the Hill Country last year. So it's always in February, March. Mm-hmm. And um, sort of right on the end of February, in which my wife very generously says, yeah, honey, you can go because it's our wedding anniversary. <laughs> um, and so I, I'm never home on our wedding anniversary because I go there. What was I going to say? With, oh, so with that, keeping coming back to, you know, what what is the business model of, of what you do and why you do it and, and, and that part. With the podcast, I have made heaps of connections, of course, that you've got to remember, I never studied architecture. So it wasn't like I was in a school and had a cohort or any of those things that put me in the right space. So with it, I, I'm I'm in Austin, well, I'm coming to Austin and a friend of mine who's an architect from Baltimore said, hey, I, I, he wasn't coming to the conference, but he's like, what are you doing after it? And I said, well, my buddy Tim and I are planning on going and visiting some uh, studios and he's like oh okay and he's can I come and I said yeah I'm sure you can like don't see any reason why not and so Tim and I had this little plan which I wasn't really Tim's plan Tim just followed my plan I said well I want to go and see the boys from dust you know I want to go and see Jesus and Cad they're awesome they are some of the best humans and their work is beautiful. So I said, I want to go and see them. I'll see them at the conference anyway, but I want to go and see them up in uh, Tucson. And then I want to also go to uh, Taliesin West. I've never been. 
I keep missing it. I had a plan that I was going to go to San, uh, to Palm Springs. I've been there plenty of times where I was going to drop into Palm Springs. I was going to drive this as so I was going to drive out of Austin and just hit some spots along the way, but go and see these people in their studios. And I was going to go and see Rick's studio as well, Rick Joy. Mm-hmm. And so this was my loose plan. And Tim goes, man, we've got a plane. So he's got a, a, Cirrus aircraft, so it's a little four-seater aircraft. He goes, we've got a plane. We don't drive, man. We 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 fly. And I'm like, no way. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's fly it. Let's fly. It. So anyway, the, the three of us took off on one sort of slightly cloudy morning in Austin, refueled in Maitland, and then we well, I made this plan, and the guys from Dust said to me, go to Santa Fe, and we'll get you into this one property in Santa Fe that's ours and then come to Tucson and see us. And so we did that. And so we went there, then we went to see them. And then from them, we went and saw Rick. And then from Rick, we went to, we flew up to Scottsdale, went and did Taliesin, and went and saw Chen Suchat guy, the guys, Tommy and Patricia, and they took us to a site visit as well and then we were hoping to get to see mark ryan as well but our timing got backed up so we missed seeing mark which was a real shame and then peter flew home to baltimore and tim and i went on out to los angeles and flew out there and then he picked up a friend in los angeles who he needed to bring back to austin so he flew home from there so it was just one of these really kind of wild things. And in the week before that, I had been coming down from Canada and I had been and seen Olsen Kundig studio and also Bowen Jackson Sywinski. Is that, did I put those in the right order? Anyway, Ray, Ray Carbo from there. And then I went and saw uh, Kurt Kruger in Los Angeles and um, also caught up with Shay Holland, who's a TV producer and does a reality show in Los Angeles as well. Well, you know, one of those building type reality shows. Just did this tour of dropping into people's studios and saying hi and hanging out and going and doing lunch. And it was just the most magical little visit and I went I come home and I tell people and people go I want to do that and I go hmm I don't know that I want to do it with you so (laughs) 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 but there's a model in there as well you know there is a model in there as well where you go okay what is that and the other thing that I love is I can go to a lot of different cities around the world and part of this is through the the group of guys I hang out with from the um, Architects Marketing Institute. And I can pull up a chair at a desk and I've got a phone, I've got all the resources and I can be working, drawing, running things, talking to my clients, whatever, from their studio. And I've got all the resources of a studio around me. And that's pretty magical as well. I love that. Like whether I'm in London or whether I'm in, you know, Austin, there's a desk that I can go and sit at and get work done and be in an inspired space, something fresh. I can get a desk at Larry's place. (laughs) (laughs) 
so yeah it's pretty fascinating eh? I like what a podcast yeah. this connection with people can do it's it's uh, been the best thing I could have done for my career you know yeah. I mean? and I started it two $30 microphones and yeah. Google search you have no idea how to do it and here we are five years later it's brilliant man really really cool really cool well, I'm looking forward to coming in Having a beer in Austin with Absolutely. you. Absolutely. We got to go back out on Rainy Street in 36 and really uh, have that experience. Uh, well, only after swinging through baby You could spot the, 30, the 35-year-olds where I'm like, I'll be there at 7 and I'm leaving at 9. Yeah, <laughs> it's dark. Exactly. I need to be home. Yeah, exactly. My wife said. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> hey, Aaron, absolutely fabulous. I've got one question for you, which is, now I'm going to have to, I'm going to do the two questions. So I ask this of a lot of people. A favorite space in your own home? In my own home? Mm -hmm. Favorite space? I like my backyard right now. We just moved into a house and we had no backyard. And now to be out there and like, it's it's weird. You know what I mean? Like when you, you think back of being a kid and like how you make nothing out of or something out of nothing all the time. And to see my son do that in the backyard, I think is probably my favorite space. Love that. What emotion does it evoke for you? What emotion? Mm-hmm. When you're in the backyard and you see your son doing stuff out there. How does it make you feel? Oh, God, I'm going to be all sappy father here. <laughs> um, could go for it, man. I'm just proud. You know what I mean? You see the, the, with, with kids, I think it's a lot of, there's a lot of sacrifice as a parent that you don't necessarily. And admittedly ours as my wife and I are mostly just monetary and social, but the payoff is seeing your kids and that invest, it's not a sacrifice. It's an investment in them and seeing Mm -hmm. that they're evolving is just proud. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I'm from a small town where like you work at a grocery store and that's what you do for a living. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So the fact that I'm able to give my son this sort of life, I think it's just, it's. Yeah. Makes you feel a a level of contentment and yeah. Having done something. I love that. I love that. I love that it's your backyard as well because it's got all those other connections with nature and stuff. Mm. Okay. And the next one's a design question. One last project, you're not allowed to draw anything else ever again. This is it. And it's going to have your name on it. People are going to know. What would you choose? Project? Yeah. I have to go comedy club. I think there's something about the clubs that I can smell. That's like in my mind, I, I can smell what that place is. You know what I mean? I've spent so much time there and there's a lot of thought that goes into making people laugh and the room really makes a difference. And so I think, and they're just like clubhouses where people hang out and they're happy and they're a little drunk and whatever it is, but everyone leaves with a smile on their face and they're just like cultural sort of things. And for me, my younger self, I live vicariously as a 22 year old in my mind of just (laughs) the excitement. I know this like, anxiety of excitement that I would get when I'm pulling into the parking lot and I'm walking, you know what I mean? And I just, that, those moments in my mind are just, I want to yeah. create that. I love that. I love that. Cause you know, like it is such an environment 
where it brings people together and even if the comic is just awful you're awful. suffering together yeah that's <laughs> suffering together and <laughs> die as a group you walk into a comedy club and you see those people sitting down you're like well this is we're in it together yeah we're all dead or we're all laughing one or the other yeah no and and i hadn't really considered that the the room actually creates part of the the you know how important it is to the act and then i go how you know stupid's that it's like going to say the continental club in um austin and listening to music the room's creating the vibe that's the reason you go and it's like with laughter it's like high ceilings the sound gets lost what you want is like a small box that's contained yeah right in architecture we do so much of killing sound you know what I mean? Yeah. We don't want this noise space. We, it's the complete opposite. And I think it's also that I lost my train of thought. Oh, there's sort of things too, that you just realize as a performer, if you're performing in a theater where the seats are too far you know, back, yeah, too far back, mm-hmm. you get a wave of the upfront laughter and that pause between your joke is just a second longer. Cause you have to wait for that. The sound, the second wave to travel towards you. So there's sort of things like that, that I think are just kind of interesting maybe the average designer wouldn't think of yeah they well yeah i imagine they just wouldn't think of it at all and also i always think of the because you're saying it it's the height of the stage if there's a stage or whether it's on the floor how far the the contracts i would get no person can be seated further than five feet from the front of the stage because that gap from the stage creates a disconnect you want everyone packed in as tight as possible it's a very anti-covid sort of environment but the point is but that's what makes it work it is because you'll watch a comedy special on tv hilarious and everyone there is laughing and you're sitting by yourself on the couch and you're just watching it going in your mind that's funny that's funny but you're not actually laughing mark dyfer he he said to me a building has to speak for itself because you can't stand out in front of it all day telling people what it's about and there's so many buildings that need somebody standing out in front of them to tell them what it's about that's so funny no that's cool man that's really cool and i so appreciate your time buddy it's been fabulous having a chat and uh to all my listeners i'm hoping that you're already listened to designed by architectural record if you don't go and listen to it if you've got a love of architecture you know you will find out so much from the people that aaron interviews and the journey that he takes them down it's certainly, I find it really inspirational. You do a wonderful job. Oh, thank you. Cheers, man. Have, go and have a great Cheers. day. Take care. Hi, guys. I'm Adrian. I'm your host of Talk Design Podcast. I started this podcast a couple of years ago, and in doing it, my aim was to talk to amazing design people, creative minds, people who I could learn from, and hopefully you could learn from. This was a big part of my whole reasoning for starting the podcast. We've cracked over 80 episodes, and we've done two homes tour specials for the AIA Austin in Texas, which have been really great fun, talking just specifically about houses. We've talked to HGTV stars. We've talked to building designers, interior designers, architects, business coaches, and some inspired characters along the way. People who have captured my imagination 
and their creative output and gone, huh, these people would bring a story to somebody else and maybe inspire them to go a little further with what they're doing as well. So I wanted to reach out and ask you all for some advice because you are the guys who tune in and listen and subscribe, and I really appreciate that. So I want some advice from you. If you guys would be happy to share with me, A, what you like best, so that I can better direct what we cover as content. And then also, if there's things you want to solve, what are the three biggest things you would like information on? What are those kind of keys so that I can look and go, okay, let's find somebody who speaks specifically on these points and get some depth of information back to you that would be really useful in your business or in your life or in your home, whichever one it would be. So if I could ask you to do that, I would be forever grateful if you would share with me just through the email based on the Talk Design website, which is www.talkdesign.show if you could just reach out via that email and say to me, hey, this would be a really great subject for me, for my business or for my family or for my home or for the way I want to see life. I would love to be able to support you guys and find those people that we could talk to that would bring that to you. So thank you very much for taking the time to listen. I so appreciate the fact that you listen to the podcast. It makes it all the more fun when I get messages from you to say, hey, this inspired me. I had somebody who sent me one the other day that said, your podcast, and we were talking on a certain subject, it was a game changer for me. It was a game changer in how I viewed how I was looking at what I was doing with my design and what was going to come from that. So these things make it all the more worthwhile. So please, if you could tell me, top three things that would be useful to you. I would love to support you guys in delivering that. Thank you. And thank you for being a listener. Take care. Have a wonderful day, evening, wherever you are, whatever it is. Cheers, Adrian. Over and out.